BSI presents the Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards, with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Today's episode is all about my favorite standard. One of our favorite features here on the Standard Show is my favorite standard, where we ask people to tell us just that. Why one particular standard means so much to them, either professionally or personally, or both. So we thought we'd put together a little montage, a smorgasbord, a mega mix. There are eight storytellers in this episode from all over the world, from Bristol to Brussels to Bolivia, covering very different standards, from pavements to plastic pellets, from consumer vulnerability to caring for an aging society. Before we hear from them, here's Cindy with a quick reminder. This is Cindy Parakil with a quick reminder that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. We begin our My Favourite Standard montage with Amanda McCarthy and ISO 22000. My name is Amanda McCarthy. I am the Global Food and Beverage Manager for DMV Business Assurance. And my favourite standard is ISO 22000, which is the standard for food safety management systems. Just looking at it from a professional point of view, It's a great standard because of the way it's constructed. It has all the important bits to it that make a standard um, usable and manageable and and suitable for all organizations within the food sector. So it operates from farm to fork and for every every sort of organization in between for uh, storage, distribution, transport, for retail, and for all sizes of businesses, small, large, multinational, all over the world, it can be used to fit into what an organization wants to achieve. When it was written in 2005, it's, it's, it, it basically hasn't been revised up, up until 2018 when they had to make some changes just to fit it in with the high level structure. So it's just been the perfect standard from the moment it was written until 2018 when there was just these few tweaks but it's a it's a very elegant standard I've described it as a beautiful standard because I think it just is just perfect it does what it says on the tin it actually drives safe food I was actually the first auditor ever to audit ISO 22000 and that was a a dairy company in Wiltshire called Westbury Dairy so it's a bit of a name check for that company. They were absolutely fantastic. They put the system in place. I went along, conducted an audit, and they were issued the first ever certificate for ISO 22000. And now, having used that standard, actually implemented it in in organizations that I worked for and conducted audits. And through my, my current experience, I'm now chair of the BSI committee, AW90, for ISO 22000. So I've basically got my my wish. I'm now, I've now got intimate involvement with the standard that has meant so much to me um, in the last 13 years of my career. Or no, hang on, longer than that. 17 years of my career. 
That's why ISO 22000 has to be my favourite standard. Beautiful there from Amanda, from standards user to standards maker, and now chair of the standards committee responsible for shaping the standard ISO 22000 that has shaped her career over 17 years and counting. From food to footpaths, or more specifically, pavements, and BSI's Gavin Jones, who has an interesting take on BS 7533-101. I realise this feature of the standards show is all about my favourite standard, but for me, the standard I have chosen is my favourite and my least favourite. Its full title is BS 7533-101, Pavements Constructed with Clay, Concrete or Natural Stone Paving Units, Code of Practice for the Structural Design of Pavements Using Modular Paving Units. Pithy, it is not. It's an important standard for the UK, as it applies to pavements in the UK. To get to the least favourite bit first though, the standards development involved a huge amount of argument resolution just to get the business case agreement where BSI agrees to revise or write a standard and apportion its resources to do so. The period of development spanned eight years until it was published. The key issues were getting the panel for that, I mean industry, to agree about the design materials and processes that give the best service life and best sustainability and with the competitive nature of that industry, this was no mean feat to achieve, but we did it eventually, now having published the standard almost a year ago. The standard and its development relates to my approach to life, taking the harder path to get to higher peaks over time. For example, a small portion of my professional life includes playing the violin, which I absolutely adore. And I was once told the pieces of music I chose for my grade 8 back when I was a young teenager were the hardest pieces on the syllabus. And at the time, I had absolutely no idea of this. I just chose them because I absolutely loved those pieces of music. Similarly, when choosing my standards portfolio all those years ago, when first joining the BSI Knowledge Solutions team, I chose the most problematic ones rather than those with the easy wins or the most visual ones in the business. I've had an interesting experience in having done this, but also know that the disadvantages of having done so have been that it's not easy resolving problems, of course, and that they take up a lot of time. Choosing a harder route is just that, and sometimes it's not the best path, and doesn't always work. Fortunately though, in this case, it did, and the series of standards for 7533 has published and is now being revised. To get to the positive stuff again, I've learnt an enormous amount about committee members and experts, manufacturers and what makes them tick from this work and this has been invaluable to my continuing work at BSI. In particular, something I've learnt is that it's not always the loudest voices who count, including my own, and learning to listen has been a massive benefit from this work. So that's BS 7533-101. Pavements constructed with clay, concrete or natural stone paving units. Code of practice for the structural design of pavements using modular paving units. Both my least favourite and my most favourite standard. In the background there, that's Gavin's lovely violin playing. Check out more of that in episode 24 on another P. Not pavements, but potholes.
Hi, my name is Deborah Wautier from Sen and Senelec. So for those who don't know, um, these are the European committees for standardization and electrotechnical standardization. And we make standards uh, for Europe for pretty much everything. My favorite standard uh, would be EN 1078, which is for helmets, for pedal cyclists, and for users of skateboards and roller skates, which I realize now makes me sound very sportive. So that's a great start. My bike helmet, that's the first object that I own on which I found, I found a EN reference right after I joined the European Committee for Standardization. And I got so excited. I really love biking on Sundays. Uh, for me, it's the best way to disconnect from work and incidentally disconnecting from the world of standards. Um, we love strolling around in Brussels, um, in parks especially. We love to go to nature um, and we go until I can't take it anymore. Um, my favorite day, in fact, for cycling just happened um, a couple of weeks ago because every year in Brussels, we have one car-free Sunday where, as the name indicates, cars are not allowed for a full day. Um, so that day is super nice to cycle because that day you get to only be scared of other cyclists rather than cars. So that's, that's amazing. Sometimes my work can be a bit abstract. Uh, I think the standards world in general can be a bit abstract. We make standards for almost any products, any materials or services that you could imagine. And I remember when I prepared my job interview to join the Sensenelec Management Center, I saw on, I think it was Twitter, that Sensenelec was promoting recent standardization, standardization work on quantum technology, which of course is great, but was really, really hard uh, for me to fully understand and frankly I got a bit worried about what I got myself into with accepting that job but then at the start of a Sunday bike stroll I put on my EN compliant uh, helmet and it finally all made, all made sense you know now every time I pick it up I concretely see how our standards make a safer better world I'm not gonna die on my Sunday stroll and um, that's why I'd say that EN1078 for bike helmets is my favorite standard. Now from Deborah in Brussels to Aristea in Geneva via Greece. My name is Aristea Kyriakati and I'm the head of the affiliate countries and membership programs at the International Electrotechnical Commission. My favorite standard is IC 6601-2-4 on the particular requirements for the basic safety and essential performance of cardiac defibrillators. In 2009, I came from Greece to Geneva in Switzerland to continue my studies in international relations and diplomacy, and uh, then I stayed. Um, I have worked in two agencies in the United Nations system, uh, in telecommunications and international trade, and then moved to a membership manager position in a leading medical association in hepatology. The transition from interacting with members who were medical doctors and health professionals uh, to interacting with experts who are mainly engineers was not easy, but it was fascinating for me to explore this new world where Groups come together to find solutions and common ground to increase safety of people 
and uh, the environment. The IC Young Professionals program was obviously the reason why I applied to join the IEC in 2020. Uh, I have worked with young people in the past, young investigators, young innovators, now uh, young professionals, and it's empowering to watch the difference and the impact young experts can make with their energy and out-of-the-box ideas. So let's go back to my favorite standard. Um, so before I joined the IEC, I wanted to find out more about the IC work. I wanted to understand what a standard means in real terms and how it can be applied. Uh, when someone like me who doesn't have a technical background hears about international standardization, conformity assessment, it can be complex to figure out how standards are applied in daily life. So one of the examples that really resonated with me was the IC work uh, in healthcare. It is impressive to think that human lives are saved every day around the world thanks to cardiac uh, defibrillators. A defibrillator is a device that provides uh, an electric shock to the heart to allow it to get out of a potentially fatal abnormal heart rhythm uh, and back to a normal rhythm. Uh, the requirements on the safety and performance of these devices, devices are based on an IC standard. Uh, the first edition of the standard was published back in 1983, and the IC subcommittee 62D on uh, electromedical equipment is the subcommittee responsible for its publication and revision. Uh, personally, I can only be grateful for the existence of cardiac defibrillators when I think that a group of experts came together to develop a standard that was later used on a device that saved a member of my family. A few years ago, uh, an automated external defibrillator saved my relative from a cardiac arrest uh, before it was too late. Um, I also like to use this example and the IC6601 standard series for the safety and essential performance of medical electrical equipment when people ask me uh, what I do and about the IC work. Uh, so IC6601-2-4, uh, that's my favorite standard. You know, I love it that both Deborah and Ariste had their respective light bulb moments about standards when they started new jobs. I started working with standards and advocating for them and realizing how standards are there in our daily life and in life saving. Talking of light bulbs, as you might expect, there are standards for those too, all developed by Aristea's IEC. Now, if you want to share your own My Favorite Standard, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch. Details of how to do so are in the show notes. Hello, my name is Stefania Nicolakopoulou and I'm the Consumer Engagement Executive here at BSI. I've been working for the consumer team for about um, a year and a half and uh, my favorite standard just has to be ISO 22458, Consumer Vulnerability. It's about requirements and guidelines for the design and delivery of inclusive service. Vulnerability is a very dynamic issue and can affect literally anyone, anywhere, and at any time over the short or long term. It, it affects 
so many millions of people in different ways and it, it's not always visible some some people don't even think of themselves as vulnerable the reason why i chose this standard is uh, because i have a personal connection um to it uh, a few months before the standard was published we we found out that my sister's son my my little nephew who back then was um around two years old was was diagnosed with autism. His diagnosis came as a shock to all of us because having autism automatically makes him more vulnerable than other people. So my hope is that because of standards like this, he will be supported throughout his life as hopefully organizations will change their practices, will, will improve the practices and be able to meet his needs. Adopting an inclusive service approach has multiple benefits, including um, increased satisfaction and, um, and loyalty, as well as helps organizations to achieve compliance with obligations related to fairness. And by saying that, treating people fairly doesn't mean treating them all the same. This standard has never been so important. Thank you to Stefania for sharing that very personal story of why ISO 22458 is her my favourite standard. And as I discovered in my own life, a diagnosis for autism for a child can trigger a complete rethink about how you raise them, as well as triggering fears and worries about how they're going to navigate the world in terms of their, their friendships and working relationships. And let's be honest, as consumers too, just imagine if every organisation who dealt directly with consumers adopted and used ISO 22458. What a transformation that would make. Okay, next up, Andrea Sandy from Bolivia on the standard ISO 17065. My name is Andrea Sandy. I am a consumer executive at BSI. I work supporting consumers to participate actively in the standardization. Um, as you may notice, I do not have a British accent, uh, but, and that's why, because I am from South America. I come from Bolivia, which is uh, actually at the heart of South America. Um, my favorite standard is uh, conformity assessment, uh, requirements for body certifying products and processes and services. It's just ISO 17065. Um, this is my favorite standard because it uh, it changed the course of things I did through through my life. I started working at Ifnorca in 2014, and from then, my first my first task there was to work over processes and procedures for the um, for the certification services on product. And it was a lot, and it helped me understand a lot about how standards work and how they fit around everything we do, um, how you can, you are unable to see them, but they are in everything that it's around you. Um, from then, that uh, the change, that experience helped me um, later on participate on, on CASCO, which is the ISO Conformity Assessment Committee. 
I participated there from since 2017. And it, it helped me meet amazing people around the world that's also passionate about standards. I met who I believe are my mentors over the standardization path, which, uh, which are Reinaldo Figueredo, which is actually the, the CASCO chair at the moment, and Mario Whitner, who passed away a couple of years ago, but he was a very prominent figure on standardization in South America. They, they were so supportive from, with all the people from the region in order to help us raise our voice, um, participate, um, get involved in, in standards. And that definitely changed the path of everything I did since that. Um, I worked many years there, and then now I'm doing a master's degree on international development and climate change at the University of Manchester. And I'm also doing my dissertation around standardization and how it entails so it's basically in everything i do and well now i'm at bsi so i hope it will be still part of my life of my working life with because for many years to come and well that's why uh, 17065 it's a conformity assessment requirements for bodies certifying products processes and services is my favourite standard. Conformity assessment, the term given to techniques and activities that ensure a product, process, service, system, installation, project, data, design, material, claim, person, body or organisation or any combination thereof fulfils specified requirements. And ISO 17065 is the standard for organisations who are carrying out that conformity assessment. One of those standards for those dealing with standards. Wheels within wheels. Now to another and very personal story from Helena about being a carer. Hello, my name is Helena Barrell. I'm a standards development manager at BSI and my favourite standard is BS ISO 25551 Aging Societies, General Requirements and Guidelines for Carer Inclusive Organisations. Now, a carer is defined within the standard as someone who does unpaid care for a family member, friend or significant person who, due to a lifelong condition, illness, disability, serious injury, a mental health condition or an addiction, cannot cope without their support. There are an increasing number of carers within our society According to Carers UK, there are currently 6.5 million carers across the UK. That's one in eight adults. Carers UK also estimates that every day, 6,000 people become carers. I personally gained first-hand experience of becoming a carer when my mum suffered a severe stroke last year. It was a shocking event which turned my life completely upside down. When my mum came out of hospital, she was initially very dependent on me. I helped her in most of her day-to-day activities, from when she got up in the morning to when she went to bed at night, and I even had to care for her two dogs as well. Luckily, my carer role has reduced over time, and I no longer need to live at my mum's. We have been fortunate enough to be able to afford private care, and my mum's condition has improved considerably. However, I'm not able to forget the shock of everything that happened 
and the toll that it took on my mental health. Even though I loved being able to help my mum and had great support from friends and family, I couldn't help but feel very isolated as a carer and often experienced guilt when I did things for myself. Throughout this period, I continued to work in my job at BSI and I am so grateful to my manager, Jane Packer, for the sympathy, understanding and flexibility she gave me. Staying on in my job offered me some consistency and focus as my world completely changed around me. However, I also had the flexibility to help my mum whenever I needed and to turn off my laptop when I wasn't feeling up to working. Having a manager that supported me this much was so helpful for me, but I'm aware that a lot of carers may not work for organisations that have the same level of understanding of their needs. This may result in them struggling to stay in their jobs, having to set aside their career aspirations and facing financial difficulties in what is already a very economically precarious situation. Organisations also lose out by not making the most of valuable members of their workforce. That's why I think BSISO 25551 is so important in supporting organisations to support carers. The standard provides everything an organisation needs to implement a carer-inclusive programme. It is applicable to any organisation, regardless of size, sector or community setting. The standard lays out guiding principles that a carer-inclusive programme should be based on. These include leadership commitment and integrity, fairness and inclusiveness, and worker consultation and participation. Carers are an increasingly large, yet often forgotten, group within our society. So that's why BSISO 25551 is my favourite standard. We complete this little montage of my favourite standards with pellets, plastics and a trip to the beach. Hello, my name's Joanna Griffiths, Global Food Community Director at BSI, and my favourite standard just has to be PAS 510. This standard addresses plastic pellets, flakes and powders, and how they're handled and managed throughout the supply chain to prevent their leakage into the environment. And I'm so pleased this has been finally done. It's so important. Having worked in the packaging industry for over 20 years, and although this isn't purely a packaging industry issue, it's a hidden but enormous opportunity for change. I like this standard because it's an example of industry facing up to the issues it knows about, but perhaps aren't as well known as some of the other environmental risks around plastics. I've been working with some of the organisations involved in the past for several years now, and it's great to see that the past is out there now, ready to be used. So pellets, flakes and powders are how all plastics are distributed around the world before they're being formed into any type of plastic item. And that plastic item could be a soft drink bottle, a car bumper or even a window frame, anything that's polymer or partly plastic. The problem with these pellets is, is that they're so easily lost into the environment, either through a small spillage, perhaps from a 25 kilogram bag in a plastics conversion facility, or when they're being transferred from a bulk container into a processing facility. The pellets are often stored in bulk silos, so when the truck or train offloads into those silos, a few kilograms of pellets may spill. The second problem with pellets is that they're very light and so they float. So any type of spillage may end up with pellets being washed into watercourses and then into the ocean. The third problem with pellets is that they're also distributed on the water in container loads on ships. And so if that ship were to suffer in a storm or through mechanical failure, then there's a huge potential for those pellets to be lost into the sea. 
Consequently, birds, fish and other sea life eat them because they look like food, but pellets won't be digested. Pellets also wash up on beaches. This happened in May 2021, just off the coast of Sri Lanka. 1,680 tonnes of pellets were released into the ocean when the Express Pearl cargo ship caught fire and sank. Efforts to clean up are hampered, though, because the pellets embed themselves into the sand on the beaches and they aggregate with the other contaminants, such as fuel oil. This obviously impacts directly on Sri Lanka, where tourism makes up to 13% of their GDP, but also on the local fishing industry. The larger, more lucrative fish have disappeared. Had the packer of the pellets been operating in accordance with PAS 510, they may have used hard containers inside the shipping container instead of polythene bags, meaning the loss of that ship may not have meant such massive impacts from pellets. Now, I live next to the sea, and so this is something I see every time I go down to the beach, along with all the other stuff you find on there. The fourth problem with pellets is that we can't ban them. Many people will know that the microplastics and consumer products such as toothpaste and detergents are prohibited in Europe, but the entire supply chain is reliant on the pellet format. They flow like water and they're incredibly space efficient as a result. So PAS 510 contains all the best practice approaches to minimising and attempting to mitigate the risk of loss of those plastic pellets. They're often also called noodles. And what an organisation should do in the case of a spillage by the way, you can search online for the Great Noodle Hunt. It's a really great example of citizen science and big data collection. Taking a look at your local watercourses and beaches and reporting back if you see any pellets. The PAS is free to download too. Many standards come at a price, but this one is absolutely free to all. I love this. It really marks the importance of this type of standard. So PAS 510, prevention of pellet loss into the environment. That's my favourite standard. Eight very different standards, eight very different favourites. From food safety to cycling safety, from defibrillators to plastic pellets to pavements, to conformity assessment to consumer vulnerability, to caring for an ageing society. Our huge thanks to Amanda from DMV, Deborah from Sen and Senlec, and Aristea from IEC, and to BSI colleagues Gavin, Andrea, Stefania, Helena and Joanna for being our storytellers and sharing their professional and sometimes very personal perspectives on why a particular standard means so much to them. You can find details on all of the standards in the show notes. And a reminder that if you want to share your own My Favourite Standard, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch. Details of how to do so are also in the show notes. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show, with Matthew Childs and Cindy Parakill. Subscribe to us now, wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.